You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hey, it's great to be in church this morning, isn't it? Uh, I've been in hot Europe. That is a... An odd sentence, hot Europe. Uh, I really suffered for the Lord last week, speaking in Sicily, and uh, had to suffer on the Mediterranean with my daughter. It's great to have my daughter with me here. And uh, she's had a great time. And then we went to Amsterdam, and I went to a conference to lead a session and do all sorts of things. And I became the babysitter of your senior pastor. Thank God for assistance. I became Pastor Glynn's assistant all week. And then Pastor Sophie was coming in, I had to become her assistant. I'm just glad to preach this morning. It's so much more familiar than all that stuff. But honestly, it's great to be with you. I love our church here in Manchester. I believe God wants to speak to you today. And I believe He wants to do something in your life. I hope you've come ready to receive. It is warm. But hey, you're always complaining, it's raining, it's warm. Let's get excited about it. And uh, it's great to be with you. I brought my book and I wanna talk about it for a moment, not because I wanna sell the book. There's only about 15 left. You wanna get it, we'll be out there, you can get it. But, but this week I had an amazing experience and I wanna tie it into what I wanna speak about today. Because I wrote a book called Think Like a King, which basically means that kings don't think to themselves, even though your king took a long, 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 long time before he came the king and he would have had days where he's like, is this ever gonna happen? Just like we do in the call of God. But ultimately he was either a king in waiting or a king in ruling. But when he was born, there was never any doubt he would be the king. And I wanna tell you, that's what God thinks of your life. He just wants you to get ready, get ready, get ready because your day is coming. And that's what the book's about. But here's the amazing thing. I'm sitting having a coffee in Amsterdam with a pastor from Africa. Any Africans here or African origin? And he says, we're talking and the guy goes, this guy is um, the pastor of the largest church in this country. I won't say it for their sake. And and he said, I'm married to uh, a lady and she's the daughter of the King. And he came, I I was having coffee with him today and the King wanted to ask, would you give him one of your books? I'm like, you could pay for it, you've got a bit of money. No, no, I didn't really. Uh, uh, But I said, sure, he said, but he wants you to sign it. And I'm thinking, wow, I've written a book called Think Like a King and now I'm about to give it to a King. And then I had to sign it and he said, please sign it to Your Majesty the King. And I was like, wow, this little boy that was born in Barnsley, you know, now is actually associating with people. I'm not saying it proudly, I'm just saying it to you, that for you, nothing is impossible with our God. And stop belittling the dream that God's placed on your life. God wants to do something great in you. And so as I signed it, I went, wow, think like a king. I was trying to tell people that aren't kings, but now a king wants to read it. I wanna say to you today as we start this message, nothing is impossible. 
Don't go into this summer saying, oh, there goes another year, what really happened? Start saying, God, I'm getting closer to the purpose that You have planned for me. God, I know You have a plan for me, God. I'm looking forward to it. If you're in Geneva right now, come on, Geneva. We didn't design a church there to be a small church. We designed it to be a city-impacting church, nation-impacting. Come on, if you're out there in the South, I wanna hear you. Not, not in here, what are you doing? I can hear them, can you hear the South, the North? But it's great to be with you this morning. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just have another church meeting. We're not here just to play church. We're here because You are an impacting God. Last weekend at Luminous, we heard about speak and we, we heard about what it is to speak the Word of God over circumstances our life. Lord, that You've spoken into our existence and I pray that today You would affirm what You've already said and You would build something great into each every individual's lives. Lord, tonight at the men's event, I pray You would speak to the men. God, You would do something. We're not coming into a holiday season, we're getting rested, ready for what You've got planned for us. So God, we thank You in advance. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, why don't you grab a seat? So good to be with you. and. Uh, and I, I do wanna talk to you today on the topic of nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You know, it's important to understand that that's not my statement. That's not a planet shaker song. That is what is written in the Word of God. It doesn't say some things are possible. It doesn't say that, 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 that you know, uh, it could happen. It says nothing is impossible. What? For those who believe. Church, I want you to understand that God has a great plan ahead for you, but it's subject to your belief. I wanna tell you that God has called us to do great things on the earth. We were just at a conference by 2030, uh, 2033, we're believing that every person on earth, all eight billion will have the opportunity to hear the Gospel and make a choice whether they want it. What an audacious goal, but I want you to understand, nothing is impossible for my God. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. But there was a statement in a prayer meeting recently I was at, one of our leaders just made the statement, the reliance on the Holy Spirit brings about the impossible. The reliance on the Holy Spirit brings about the impossible. Church, we need to position ourselves to understand that He's speaking on a daily basis. He's speaking to you. It's not just a coincidence that you heard this week, you should ring that friend. It's not just a coincidence that you've got that thought about that business opportunity. It's not just a coincidence. The Holy Spirit reminded you that your kids are coming back to the Lord. But if we're not careful, we can put it down to chance and we can put it down to that's just me. But I wanna tell you, He's speaking. He's speaking and He wants you to understand that through Him, nothing is impossible. And He wants you to start to dream for the impossible to come into your circumstances. You know, we've had some incredible nation impacting things happen in the last few years and I've spoken about it each time I came. But in March, I got invited to a country in Asia and I was invited by the King of, uh, sorry, the President of this nation. And he paid for our costs and flew us in and we got treated incredibly well and stayed in this nice hotel. But to be honest, I had no idea why we'd been invited. It wasn't a Christian nation. In fact, it was far from a Christian nation. It wasn't a Christian president. It was far from a Christian president. So I'm asking the Lord, why are we here? And, 
And the Lord really didn't give me anything. I've learned that His quietness is not ignoring. You just gotta wait because He is gonna speak. But when He doesn't speak, sometimes we actually put something in the void and that's not His plan. Church, I want to remember, if we wait upon the Lord, He will speak. So I get on the plane and I go to this place and I arrive at the, 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 the presidential palace. I get there and there's a Maybank for all the car enthusiasts there, a bulletproof Maybank. It's like a top of the range Mercedes Benz that is designed particularly for the wealth class. And, and I look at it and it's, it's awesome. But there's a guy with a huge submarine, a submachine gun, not a submarine, sorry, that's contextual. And uh, uh, it's too early to talk about that. And, 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 and it's a submachine gun standing in front of the car. And I'm like looking at the car and I almost don't see the guy because there's probably another 25 guys standing there. And really it's just four of us and I'm assuming the President's inside, but all these military people. My friend goes up, it's probably something like you would do. And he went up and he, he wanted to touch the car. I don't know why, but he went up and he, but there's a law in their country we found out later that you're not allowed to touch the President's car because many people have tried to bomb and kill President. In fact, a few of them have been successful in the past. So when he went to touch the car, he got about this far away and it was one of the funniest moments in my life. It was like a, like a movie. I love when things are like a movie. The guy with his machine gun is actually standing there to protect the car. We didn't know that. And then he turns around and he gets the, the, the butt of his rifle and he whacks this guy. I tell you, it was funny. I know it shouldn't laugh, but it was Christian laughing, of course, but it, it was funny. And, and then we walk inside and there's all these military. I'm thinking, man, there's only one person in this building, but there was at least a hundred and all these people, we had to go through these clearances and we get to the top. This isn't like a, a movie set, this is real. And I'm thinking, wow, what are we doing here? I still don't know. And so we walk up and we get into the room and there's four of us and there's about four officials and the President. And they're talking and they come to me and as he's speaking to some of the other guys, I feel like the Lord says to me, this is not the meeting you're here for. And that's a strange thing because he's paid for it. I'm there to listen to him. I'm there to give him whatever he's asking or at least work with him on it. But I get this distinct sense, this is not why I'm here. And I want you to understand, you sometimes go, why am I here? And then you're trying to make it happen. But I wanna tell you, hear what the Lord has to say. Listen to what He's saying in your circumstance. I wanna leave my job. He got you the job. Maybe He's got a plan you can't see. You don't understand what's happening in my family. I don't have to understand. My God is a God of the impossible. Got sickness in my body. Oh, I watched a man who was carried into a meeting three weeks ago in one of the Pacific nations. And I got asked, would you pray for him? And I was like, not me, somebody else in the team. Because I'm thinking if you pray, the expectation, he's gonna walk. He hasn't walked for 15 years. <laughs> okay, I'll pray. They think I'm the big guy. <laughs> pray. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going, I hope there's some lady in this room that's got great faith because I've got none. Praying. Don't hear anything else. Failure. Until at the end of the meeting, I'm finished. And during the meeting, I've got people to pray. And I'm standing, shaking people as they're leaving, a crowd of about four or 5,000 leaving. And this man comes up and he says, thank you. I said, no worries, did you enjoy the night? He said, do you don't remember who I am? I said, no. He said, 
I was the guy that was carried in. I haven't walked for 15 years, but he walked out of the building. (laughs) Nothing is impossible for our God. It's not subject to me. It's not subject to you. So it comes my turn to talk to the present. They say, this is Neil Smith and he's very important. And it's like, thinking, I don't know what to say. So I said, it's great to be in your country, sir. Anything we can do to serve you, I'd love to serve. And then I said nothing else. And I could see all these guys looking at me like, you've got to say something else. He's paid for the trip. And, but who knows, I'm subject to one higher. Surely he's the highest in the, no, no, I'm subject to one higher. This is not why you're here. We leave, we go to lunch and they're all saying, what did you do? I'm like, look, I feel like there's another meeting that's more important. It can't be, he's the president. Two days later, we get taken to another meeting, to the governor's meeting. Now the governor often in these countries is like a figurehead, not really got any power. But as we're driving, the Lord drops the Scripture speaking of Gideon to me. And now I'm not in a Christian nation. I'm assuming they don't even really know the Bible. And I've now got a a, a Bible story that I've got to somehow communicate to a guy that this is what the Lord is wanting to say to you. I'm thinking to myself, this is not an easy gig. Now I'm getting nervous. Who knows that sometimes we get impatient when nothing's happening. Then God gives us something and we get nervous. And so I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to say. Go through all the same sort of security, get to his office. We get inside. There's three inside, his daughter-in-law, his, uh, sorry, his daughter, his son-in-law and the governor. Everybody leaves and it's just us. And he says, Pastor, I hope you don't mind, but would it be okay if we pray before we have the meeting? Now you might go, that's fantastic. But I'm thinking, well, who are we gonna pray to? I don't even know what the prayer's gonna be about. And when somebody says, pastor, we're gonna pray, you assume they're saying, you're gonna pray. Even when I go to family dues, because I'm the pastor, they say, would you pray? It's like, please stop doing that if you've got a pastor in your family. He's praying all the time, you pray. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, 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 he says, let's pray. We close our eyes. He starts praying. Thank God, I've got to listen to what he's going to say. Suddenly I realise, I literally open my eyes. I'm in the presence of a man who knows Jesus. He's praying and he's saying, God, would you protect us? And at the end, he said, Pastor, would you now pray? I said, I don't know if you know what this is, but I feel like I've got a prophetic word for you. He must have been a Pentecostal. Because he goes to his son-in-law, quick, bring the phone over. He brings the phone over and he puts it on record and puts it right in front of me. And I was like, okay. So I begin to talk about how in the Bible, Gideon had been, was fearful and hiding and suddenly he had 10,000 men against an army of 100,000, but he felt like God had positioned him. Then God says, you've got too many men. And he takes it from 10,000 down to 300, loses 9,700. And I feel like what God is saying is you're in a position where you're losing support, but actually God's in control. He bursts into tears. He begins to tell me he's been asked to, to become the leader of all small government in the nation, the most controlling entities in the nation by the president who's in the opposition party. And if he does it, his whole party who he's been with for 35 years is gonna reject him. 
But he said, I kept feeling like I should. I, 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 and he says, now I've got the pet. You know what? Over the next few weeks, right up until the last few days, he texts me every two days, Pastor, would you pray for this? Pastor, would you pray for that? I've never heard from the President again, but I wanna tell you the assignment that I had was not the President. It was given to me by a God, a God of the impossible. In a nation where they don't wanna hear from people like us, like Christians, I wanna tell you, if you understand who your God is, He's gonna come through in your situation. Our God is a God of the impossible and He wants to use you. So let's have a look at this passage of Scripture. Are you still with me out there? In Cardiff, are you still with me? You know, he, he, Amos, oh, sorry, James chapter seven and verse eight, I think it'll come on the screen. I've got no idea. I don't know how that all works because remember I learnt this week, I am not an assistant. I am like the macro guy. Ooh, thank God for micro. All the micro, thank God. Ooh, I don't wanna have to, have to look after Pastor Glenn again like that. <laughs> I pushed him round in a wheelchair yesterday. Ooh, that was fun, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. So much control. Anyway, anyway. Uh, he's probably watching. I love you, buddy. I love you. Judges chapter seven, verse eight. So Gideon said, this is just after he's now sent all 1,700 soldiers away. But understand, if you've been given trust over an army to fight an army that's 10 times your size and you lose nearly all of your army to 300. Who knows, he was already afraid. He took the assignment on, now he's lost his whole army. He would be afraid again. See, we've got to recognise that faith is the trading tool of God, yes. But the trading tool of man and the trading tool of the enemy is fear. And fear is always there. Don't believe that we stand up here on stage and go, oh, God is so good. We did this and we did that. Ah, we did that as well. Because fear is always present because that reminds us that He's in control and we're not. But it's whether we're prepared to push through what others will think. We push through past disappointments. We push through. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home but kept 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of others. Now the camp of Midian lay down before him in, in, in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. Listen to this, this is the Lord speaking. If you are afraid, ooh, he's afraid. But the Lord's saying it because He knows he's afraid and He's gonna inject some courage into him. God wants to inject some courage into you today. Don't pull back because you're fearful. Step in because faith is more powerful than fear. And so if you are afraid, take, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So I don't know about you, you'd be thinking about they lost all their weapons or they're wanting to turn, there's some internal fighting, there's something going on. Here's the response he gets. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I have a dream. He's not Nelson, I mean, not Nelson Mandela. Um, I was gonna say Robert Junior King, uh, yeah, that guy. He's not him. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread. Now, church, if I'm fearful and I've got no men and I'm about to die, I don't wanna hear someone's pizza dream about a round loaf of barley bread rolling down a hill. 
This is the Lord, He's so good, He's so faithful, He comes through with a pizza dream. Roll a loaf of barley bread, come tumbling into the Midian camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Now, I don't know about you, that means absolutely nothing to me. But look at his friend, his response. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash of Israel. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. When Gideon heard the dream and interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in his hand and all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow out trumpets, then from all around the camp, yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Hang on a second. This is bizarre. How often have you responded to the bizarre? How often has God spoken something to you and you're telling somebody, God spoken, this is so incredible. And even as you're saying, you're thinking that is bizarre. But there's something about God that reinforces that if you stick with Him, He's gonna come through, even though it's counterculture. We're gonna stop being the same as everybody else. Stop playing karaoke. We're gonna recognise that we serve a God who has put a unique stamp upon your life and He wants you to have the courage to rise up and do what seems impossible. He's scared, He shows up at a tent, He hears the most bizarre dream and somehow the guy interprets it as you're about to win. Somehow he believes that's true. He runs back to the camp full of anointing and power and this is the plan. Whoo, what a great plan. Boys, We're gonna use the word sword, but we don't have any. We have trumpets and we have candles. There's an army in front of us of 100,000 plus, there's 300 of us, so we're gonna separate. And they say that if they did it effectively, there would have been something like one man every 100 to 200 metres apart. In their hand, they had a candle. So when they lit the candle, guess what happens? Everybody knows where they are and they're gonna blow a sword, and not a sword, a trumpet. Give me a submachine gun, I say. They, they blow the trumpet, what does that mean? You're gonna see where you are and know where you are. I'm glad he didn't ask the soldiers, are you afraid? Because if you are, go home. I'm pretty sure all 300 would have been out of there. But you see, God doesn't work the way that we expect Him to work. The miraculous proves that God is real. The impossible proves God does what we can't do. A feared preacher standing in a field with a man who hasn't walked for 15 years standing in front of him says, I can't do this. Exactly, but he can. What can He do in your life? How can He use you? How can He do something great through you? Stop taking yourselves too seriously. Remember the objective of our life is that we would die. Die people do nothing, dead people do nothing. So what does that mean? He's in control. So what have we got to do to position ourselves to be the impossible generation that rises up? 
Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that you are God. Not you, I am God. He wants us to remember. But I've noticed that the world is getting busier and busier and more inhabited and more going on. And in fact, even in the church, we sometimes validate ourselves by what we do. But actually it's in the still small environment that God speaks. Why do we come to church on Sunday? Praise brings us into a place of breakthrough. Worship positions us to hear from God. I encourage you, the team on stage is awesome. It's worshipping. Sometimes just stand there. Sometimes just listen. Sometimes just say, God, speak to me. I need to know what to do in that boardroom tomorrow. I need to know what to do about the decision of which school the kids need to go to. Because I tell you, He's speaking, He's speaking, He's speaking. But if you're not listening, you're gonna do what everybody else does rather than do what He tells you to do. Hear what He has to say and obey. 2016, I was in a hotel room in Oklahoma. If I run back two weeks, I just met with the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea, a guy by the name of Peter O'Neill. And I went into his office and we talked and he started to tell me and I asked this question, what's your greatest achievement, sir? And he said to me, Neil, my greatest achievement is building infrastructure, roads. I said, really, roads? I said, do you realise that 90% of your people don't have a vehicle? And then I started to think, why are you saying this? That's, that's a crazy thing to say. You're talking to the leader of the nation. I said, sir, if, if, if we came up with a way to build something that the people could call theirs at the end of your roads, do you think that we could work together? He said, sure. He said, what are you thinking? I said, I don't know, give me some time. I got on a plane, I went to Oral Roberts University. Oral Roberts was the first ever television evangelist. I spoke at the university and then they took me through this place that they changed called the Global Learning Centre. While we were in there, they said, this used to be Robert, Oral Roberts' studio. The first ever television evangelist used to beam it out to the world. As I'm standing there, they're telling me that you can, with a phone and the internet connection, teach to anybody on the earth. I go back to my room. Now I'm there in this still quiet place. The Lord speaks to me about designing a hub that'll reach people in the most remote places, build a roof and put shipping containers around it and then have high-speed internet and have um, you know, um, a power source, solar power and all these different things. And you could have a, a meeting in there where we could be in church like this, just like people are in Geneva and they could be in the most outer part but if we've got connectivity, they could watch what we're doing. Or you could do a TED talk and teach them leadership. Or you could help with medical supply. And suddenly it opened my eyes. So I started to design and I rung an architect friend of mine in Australia, 2016. And I'm happy to say, after COVID and all the other things, now we've got six more opportunities. But we went to the government and said, give us land in different regions and we'll build these hubs. Well, in March, we opened our first hub. I'd like to show you. It's just a very short video, but this is what we did in this remote place called Kokopo, the Mandras region.
around and, and I realised that seemed impossible. 800 people showed up, might not be very significant to you, the largest crowd in the history of that village. Now they're connected via internet and things are starting to roll out for school kids and, and, and programs and, and to bring change. But imagine if we have a hundred of those all over the country. Imagine what we can do. We could actually have an evangelistic event and have millions of people in their own villages watching. Oh God, you gave me a dream, but it was in the still, quiet place. What's He speaking to you? What's He saying to you? John chapter two and verse five, it was the first miracle that we know of where Jesus actually turns the water into wine. But the most significant moment is He's got these earthen pots that are used for cleaning. They were never mixed up with drinking. But His mother says to the servants, whatever happens, do what He tells you to do. He says, get those pots and bring me the water. He turns the water into wine in pots that would never be used for drinking. I wanna tell you, God is speaking to you and it's not conventional. God is speaking to you about what He wants you to do. But we gotta be so careful that we're not so busy that we miss what He's saying because God wants you to do the impossible. Do what He tells you to do here and obey. Oh, it might sound like a very simple message. It is, but why aren't we doing it? Do what He tells you to do here in the still small place and obey. He's giving instructions to each of you. See, last week for the girls, He spoke to you. You know what it is that He spoke to you. But now you're applying what He said because your obedience is bringing about what God has. He wants to speak into your very existence today. I wanna show a photo and the band can come. My friend, Reinhard Bonnke, it's the last photo. It's beautiful. My bald head on the screen. No, not that one. That's definitely not Reinhard Bonnke. Keep going. Next one. That's the village. Keep going. There. Now, some of you know Reinhardt. But suddenly I booked a stadium and realised I've got no idea what I'm doing. By the way, I still don't, but God is good. And I booked a stadium and I suddenly thought, God, I don't know what I'm doing. What can I do? And I hear this whisper, go and visit Reinhardt and ask him to pray for you. So I ring him. We knew him. We worked with him a bit. He lived in Florida. It's a long way from Australia to Florida. But I did what he told me to do. I go into this restaurant. It's a high-end, two-hatted restaurant. You know what that means? They're dark and quiet. If you know anything about the Reverend Reinhardt, he is anything but quiet particularly when you talk about Africa. Oh, a blood-washed Africa, my brother. I'm still believing for a blood-washed Africa. And I'm like, shh, we're in a quiet restaurant. I've seen over a hundred million people make decisions for Christ in Nigeria alone. Oh, brother, you can do the same in the South Pacific. He stands up. I'm like, it's a restaurant, sit down. I didn't say it, I've got honour for the man, but I was thinking it. And then I said to him a bit later on, brother, I came, remember I said, I wanted you to pray for me. He said, I would love to pray for you and for the Pacific, God is gonna do something profound. I said, no worries, when we're leaving, we'll go around the corner and you can pray for me. He goes, no, 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 stand up. 
I'm like, oh my goodness. We stand up in this restaurant. I got one eye open looking around. The whole restaurant is looking. He doesn't care. Oh, in the mighty Name of Jesus. I'm shaking because I'm scared. It's not the Spirit of God. The wait staff just stop and look, food in their hands. And this doesn't go on for a minute. It goes on for five or six minutes. I could say to you tonight, I didn't feel any anointing because I was so embarrassed. But the point is not that I felt anointing or I didn't. The point is that the Lord told me to go to Florida and get Reinhardt to pray. Do what He tells you to do. Rise above the way you feel. Break beyond the fear. Sometimes it's gonna be a little bit weird, but God moves in His way, not our way. We need to step into what we do. Would you stand to your feet all around the room? Wherever you are, stand to your feet. 2015, God told us to move to the South Pacific. It's now exploding. I met with some African leaders. For all the Africans and others that have a heart for Africa in the room, there are five leaders in Africa. I'm not gonna say their names because we wanna protect their, their, but in October, I've been asked to go and speak to the five Pentecostal Spirit-filled African leaders and kings and have a meeting together. And I don't know what I'm gonna say, but God's positioned me there because I believe God wants to do something in Africa. Reinhard Bonnke put something in me for the Pacific, but I feel this sense of responsibility with CFAN and other organisations continue to grow what God began. Seeds have been scattered. Do what He tells you to do, it's impossible. A king signed my book. Wow, God, what are you doing? The church, since Reinhard Bonnke prayed for me, 367,000 people made decisions for Christ in the South Pacific. We've been face to face with 880,000 people in stadiums all over those countries. And we're only just beginning. We've got a live TV show across all those nations. We've got curriculum where now they want us to run curriculum. Fiji just contacted us this week. In fact, I don't even know if Kim knows because she runs it all. But there's a new secretary and the secretary said, could you do all the teachers training by the end of the year? So every year, nine, 10, 11 and 12 starting next year would get this one hour leadership program in their classroom. Do what He tells you to do. Watch what God can do through you. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. Do you believe? Maybe you've had a dream, <laughs> bread rolling down a hill, it's etched in the Bible. You think it's weird, God's got something ready for you. Maybe it's been attrition, attrition, nothing's happening. It's going backwards. If 300 men can defeat 100,000 men, you know, that Gideon rides out of there with Oreb on his head on his sword. Why does he do that? Because he cuts off the voice of the enemy. Last week, it's all about speak. God wants you to speak. God wants you to speak out. God wants you to say something. God wants you to be the voice that He's looking for. And at the same time, cut off the voice of the enemy. You say, God, I don't wanna live a natural life. I wanna live a supernatural life. Do what He tells you to do. 
Come on, all over this room, there are dreams all over this room. God's been whispering to you. God's been speaking. He wants to use you and He wants to use you. He wants to touch you. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. What can He do? Oh, but I'm old. So what? You've still got life in your bones. Come on, allow Him to use you. If you say, God, would you use me? Lift your hands all over this room. We're gonna pray. He's here right now. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord, speak. Like that room in Oklahoma City. Oh, like when I'm going to see the President. I'm just a little boy born in Barnsley. Don't really know what I'm doing, but He does. Stop making excuses, stop living in fear. Oh, I'm still afraid. I still don't understand, but He does. Faith is the trading chip of God. You say, God, would you use me? God, I'm gonna surrender that dream to You. God, I'm gonna give it to You and believe it's gonna start to happen. Watch what's about to happen. I believe and I prophesy over Audacious Church, wherever you are, that you're coming into the season of the supernatural like you've never seen. I'm not just talking about crowds of people. I'm talking about the supernatural. I'm believing with you that it's not just gonna be addition in the church, but suddenly we're gonna multiply. Things are gonna happen. In Cheshire, things are gonna happen. In North, things are gonna happen. God's about to do something right here in Manchester City. God wants to do something. But the amazing thing is, He used scared little people like Gideon who was hiding to change the world. He wants to use you. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.